two of the Orlando Info Pod. Episode one was very well received and we had plenty of listeners. So I do hope that continues and you continue to tell your friends about this great new podcast we're trying. Uh, I've got lots of guests with me tonight. I have Mr. Paul Elwell. Good evening. I, I have Bob and Kath Watson. Hello. Hello. I've got Mr. Tim Tinsley. Good evening there, Peter. And I've got Ian and Sue Sutherland. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi. Hi, guys. Right, we're going to be talking about booking an Orlando holiday and everything that goes with it tonight. And uh, we're going to get straight in with the questions. And yeah, the first one is we all know it's very expensive to book a holiday to go to Orlando. So what makes you keep going back? And I'm going to ask first, Mr. Tinsley. What makes you keep going back, Tim? It's simple. It's Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a lot to say to that, is it? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's 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 our special place. Uh, we love going there. We've got lots of memories. Every time we go, we create new memories. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be going back year after year for as long as we possibly can. Um, so that's why we keep going back. Oh, brilliant. And of course, you went in last week's episode. So tell us a bit about yourself, Tim. Uh, well, we know your name. <laughs> Whereabouts are you from? What started your love in Orlando? Um, yeah, I'm I'm originally from uh, down south, uh, in a, a little place called Buckingham, which is near Milton Keynes. Uh, I was born and bred there before Milton Keynes existed, um, so I watched that grow. Then I moved to Wales to university, and I'm now up in uh, Cumbria where it rains an awful lot and is wet and windy most of the time. Uh, But it's gorgeous and I love it up here because there's not many people, which makes it brilliant. So every time I go to Orlando, I kind of get the opposite. Whilst it rains a lot, it's hot and sunny and there's an awful lot of people. So it kind of gives me a nice contrast. Oh, that's brilliant. It's just to give people a little rundown on basically who you are. Right, I'm going to shoot straight over to Ian Sutherland because I know we can't stop with this too long for now. So, Ian, what makes you keep going back? Well, I went first time 30 years ago now. Um, Me and my kids, we had a fantastic time. It was just absolutely so different from the Spanish holidays we'd been on. The the entertainment was amazing for the kids the 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 evenings the food the the whole thing was so simple <clears throat> everyone could speak a language um the everything was so <laughs> that's Sue's watch everything was <laughs> just so nice and simple and easy we've went back on numerous occasions since then this year we're going with the grandkids which will be 30 years with my daughter. And now the grandkids are going for the second time with us. So I don't know. It's just a wonderful experience. It's just such a nice place to go to. Family entertainment. It's it's outstanding and, and simple and easy to move around and go places. Driving. Everyone says, how can you drive over there? Why can't you? I mean, the roads are so wide. The parking spaces are so big. 
and things are so well signposted. It's just, it's just tremendous. I just thoroughly enjoy it every time I go. Started taking Sue and our two kids, and it was just the thing just continued all the time. You know, it's just got better and better over the years. You still take Sue with you now, yeah? <laughs> well, I think she takes me now, actually, Peter. But, um, yeah, I appreciate her help in arranging everything and getting things done, doing the organisation. And I appreciate you paying, right? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Teamwork! <laughs> yeah, no, of course, we enjoy the holidays together. Oh, thanks for that. I'm going to go straight over to Mr Paul Plunger-Elwell. What makes you keep going back time and time and time and time and time and time again? Oh, well, that's just that's just this year. Yeah, that's just this year. <laughs> but as as we speak today, I came back yesterday, yesterday morning. So the draw to Orlando for me, just I don't know what it is to be honest with you. We're lucky enough to have the uh, annual passes. Uh, we were lucky enough to have some fantastic friends over in Orlando uh, that put us up. Um, I don't think they'll probably agree with that, but uh, we do have a good time. Uh, I enjoy the parks, but there's so much more to do than the parks now. There's so much more variety of places to visit. I even enjoy the shopping now and again. Please don't <laughs> tell Joe that. Um, uh, but yeah, I've been going. First time we Joe and I went was in 1993, uh, and I think I've hit mid 20s now. But I'm not sure. I was I was trying to work it out how many times I. You are been. on about trips and not age, aren't you? <laughs> oh, well, I'm a little bit older than 25. Um, we've got a couple more trips planned this year. And I'm just in the process of booking another one. So, But Good my laptop you. my laptop has just caved in. So <laughs> I'm, I've got literally a strange kind of screen going on here. And wow. I am looking at laptops as we speak. So, yes, love the place. Uh, made some fantastic friends. Good to see you, Mr. Harper. Thank you very much. Uh, and um, I will be going as long as I possibly can. Uh, and Joe said the same. So as long as we can go, we'll go. Oh, that's brilliant. Right. Let's head over to TV stars, Kath and Bob Watson. <laughs> <laughs> same question to you. Uh, well, we went on our once in a lifetime holiday back in 2001. We'd done all the med things and camping with the kids and thought they were old enough to go. So we booked and took them over. And we've been going back about four, it's about our 14th trip coming up. I mean, to be fair, we, we were Disney obsessed long before we we made our way over to Orlando. Uh, we were at Euro Disney within weeks of it opening when it first opened back in 92. We went to... California. Yeah, to California on honeymoon in 94 and went to Disney over there. We did lots and lots of trips to Euro Disney before we finally did went, that big trip. went the big trip to Florida. Um, we came back from that one. We went to Europe the next year and went, this ain't the same. This, this, this just doesn't cut, cut it anymore. No, so it we, we then started going to Florida more regularly. Added to that, um, our son Charlie, who uh, is autistic and um, has some learning disabilities. Severe we... communication difficulties as well and behaviour. Yeah. And every time we go, we find he makes progress because Disney mm. is his life. 
and he draws Disney, acts at Disney, watches Disney. He's, obs- he's as ob- obsessed as we are. And <laughs> the, the milestones he makes every time we take him, you just, it's magical. You couldn't believe, you, you know, yeah. you, they wouldn't be able to put it down on paper. Really. He learned his numbers based on room numbers at Disney and floor numbers in the, in the lifts. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's so really had to keep taking him back, and um... that's our excuse. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm gonna go to Ian's beloved, and we've heard Ian's reason for going back time and time again. So, why do you go back? Well, to be honest with you, the first time I went was um, Ian's third trip, and it was in 1998. And Sean, our youngest, was um, two and a half years old. Everyone was like, oh, he's far too young. He's far too young to be taken on a big holiday like that. But our daughter, Sheena, was seven and Nicola was 13. And it was like, no, we don't really care whether she's far too young. He's far too young. What about the others? You know, I'll take Mm. him again in five years time when, um, you know, and let him go at the same age as Sheena. It's not about him. You know, it's not about the two year old. It's about us. And the first words he ever said properly was Mickey Mouse. You do um, surprise me. <laughs> really shocking, is it? Right, but after that holiday, uh, he came back, and all he could say, all he would say for for weeks and weeks later, was Mickey Mouse. We'd come home from his little nursery school, and he would pick up the videotape, Florida, Florida, mummy, Florida, and he wanted to watch it. And that's when the obsession started. Oh. We just went. I think the kids have been about six or seven times, and Ian and I still keep going now without the kids. We just go ourselves, just the two of us. We don't necessarily do all the stuff we don't do universal and we don't do sea world and when it's just the two of us but we do do disney um because well as ian says he's not taking me over there and telling me i'm not going to disney (laughs) he's not that brave so he's um right something has to give so i was like that's fair enough because it's difficult to do everything as, as we all know so but yeah, we I just absolutely love it. I just we did Spain as well, the same as everybody else. We've been to all the other places, and it's just not the same anymore. No, once you've been to Orlando, it's like a bug; it does bite you. It certainly does. It bit me. The yeah, the reason I keep going back is I, I'm I turn into a seven year old mm. soon before I've even set off. Soon as I think about going or booking a holiday to Orlando. I'm giggling and smiling and <laughs> laughing and singing Disney songs and getting YouTube up and going, oh, I'm getting in the mood, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, which is yeah, very childish, but I don't care. Right. Uh, I've got another question and I'm quick going to quickly go around each of you and just I want a one word answer. Right. And the question is, I'll start with Tim. Package or DIY? DIY. Paul? DIY now. So? Always been DIY. And Kath and Bob? DIY DIY now. now. Right. (laughs) That seems pretty popular. (laughs) Can I just say, I'll be different. I always go package. (laughs) Right. I'm going to go to Paul. How do you start looking and booking a trip to Orlando? DIY. Right, DIY. I used to, or we used to uh, do package, uh, but now having more contacts and people that you know, 
uh, we do tend to do the DIY thing. So the first thing we are governed by is when Joe is available, because obviously she works in a school, as yeah. does Kath. Uh, so you are dictated very much by school holidays. The beauty we've got with Joe is that she doesn't work a Friday. So mm -hmm. if she accrues a bit of time, she could possibly go on the Thursday or the Wednesday, which makes a huge difference when booking flights uh, to and from uh, Orlando. Uh, so that gives us a bit of scope. So what I do then is I find out, uh, as I have been doing today, um, uh, I find out what slots are available when the holidays are. Then I will start to look at prices for flights and Primarily, you look at the big guns like Virgin, Tui, Thomas Cook, the BA. Um, and obviously, if those flights are available, you get a good idea uh, of what is available on the on the price of flights. Because that's the main thing for us is the, is the flight price. Um, as for accommodation, uh, we've been, you know, the Wilkes, as you all know, have been kind enough to put us up. Um, they probably wouldn't agree with that, but they have been kind enough to put us up. Uh, and we have booked villas with uh, Andrew Wilkes with Select Vacation Villas as well. Uh, and we will be doing that next year as well. So it's always about the time of year which is available. It's always about um, when Joe can make it and obviously trying to get the best deal on costs. I'm not fussy now on flight, sorry. So I'm not fussy about who I fly with. Uh, we've done indirect, we're doing indirect again. Uh, so it's all it's all down to the pennies. And uh, uh, for instance, today we're looking at summer next year. Um, and I think for Joe and myself and Thomas Cook, it was £1,900 mm -hmm. just for the flights. But that was, uh, for economy, it was 1800 For economy out and premium back, it was 1900 So by the time you take into consideration if you want to pre-book extra legroom seats it's actually cheaper to come back yeah, premium, premium. Th than to go there and back and book your extra extra legroom seats so it's things like that and little things like that and you compare that to a virgin flight which is three and a half uh, three thousand pounds it's a huge difference thomas cook does seem to be coming out uh well uh for next summer and I know other, you know, two and a lot of people only schedule flights. will will show the prices now, but um, yeah, it's flights. It's it, flights is the the main one, and then obviously hoping that you know Andrew's got uh, vague, uh, homes that are available. Yeah, so that's the way we look at. It. I think you always pick up a car, uh, no matter what time you go. Obviously, you'll get it cheaper the earlier you book, um, as you do on flights, and as I think you do on the villa. So. So I'm all, all for one. I don't mind a late deal, Peter. I've done that before, but I, yeah. at the same time, I don't mind um, planning, booking well in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it keeps us going, doesn't it? Also, also yeah, put, put my teeth back in, as always. <laughs> right, I'm going to go down to Tim Tinsley, and I'm going to fire a question that he put up for us to ask tonight that he wasn't expecting to answer himself. Booking so a DIY... Planning. Book at a DIY holiday using air miles. Right. Okay. Uh, that caught me on the hoof. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we tend to do quite a lot of DIY holidays using air miles. And uh, the thing with Orlando is everybody wants to use their air miles to go to Orlando. 
it's probably the singular most popular air miles destination from the UK. So if you're going to book DIY and you're going to do it on air miles, you kind of need to book the flights first and you need to be right on the nail of booking those. And you need to know your air miles scheme. So, for example, uh, British Airways, it tends to be 11 months or 330 days before the flight uh, that you want to take that they come available. And different airlines have different rules or different policies in terms of what they release. So I tend to book, when I'm doing things on air miles, I tend to book the flights first, uh, grab what I can, um, be as flexible as I can. So that will be looking at Orlando, looking at Tampa, looking at Miami, yeah, looking at Manchester, Glasgow or London. Um, so be as flexible as I can. Once I've got that, I'll then um, book the hotels within that. Um, the alternative is where well, I'm not booking on air miles. I will tend to book the villa or the hotel first and then uh, uh, put the airline, the flights around that. Yeah. Um, but when it's on air miles, the air miles is the king because they tend to be the thing with the most limited uh, availability. And you've really got to be on the nail and you've got to be sharp about it. All right. I must admit, I know nothing about air miles at all because it's something I've never been involved in. But listening to you, it sounds sounds good. But, uh, it's something I'll have to look into. All right, it's thank good... you, Tim. Sorry. That's, that's fine. Good evening, Ian. He's back. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to talk about air miles. Can I add a little bit to the air miles? You sir? certainly can. Go for it. We've done it once or twice, maybe at the most. Yeah, and three we, times. you have to go through strange destinations to get there. So not with only KLM. in the UK, yeah, with KLM, yeah. you have to go through like Atlanta or I can't remember where else we've been. We can go to um, Chelsea with Air France and then straight to Miami, which we have done twice. Yes. But if you want to use your air miles with KLM to go through Schiphol, you have to go to, um, we've been to Boston, we went to New York, um, Delta, uh, no, when did we come through last year? I can't even remember, it begins with D. Uh, Detroit. 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 Thank yeah. you. Thank, Thank you, you, Tim. Thank Tim you. remembers. Yeah, but I mean, if, if you need to use air miles, you, you need to expect to be able to fly at least three or four flights sometimes, yeah. you know, to, yeah. to get, it does save you money, but it, the, the journey can be quite arduous, to be honest. Yeah. That will all that will all change for you, Ian and Sue, in a few months, because you'll be able to redeem your KLM miles on Virgin Atlantic. Oh really? You'll be, so you'll be able to do Glasgow to Orlando if you're sharp. Wow. Oh well, we'll need to get on the ball with that one then, Tim. <laughs> right, yeah. time's moving on, so I'll have to jump right. straight. That's fine. It's uh, it's all helping the show. Right, so I'm going straight to Kath and Bob and. They're going to tell us how they go about booking a package holiday, even though they said they love DIY. <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've, we've got to get a, a perspective on package okay. holidays. We can do that. We did package for quite a number of years before we started doing DIY mm-hmm. because we were just in the mindset of having a two-week holiday. Yeah. So the package is at all protected, after bonded. So you know you have a peace of mind. You know that you're looked after when you yeah. book that package. And, and to be fair, when we were first doing it, the, the internet wasn't quite the flexible tool it is these days to, to do this sort of thing. So not, not just was it package, it was package 
via the local travel agent. Yeah, yeah. pop down yeah. to Lumpoly or go in places. I think I've even <laughs> still got some of the invoices from all those years ago where we paid probably £2,500 for a fortnight in the All Stars in August. <laughs> you wouldn't get that now. <laughs> so, like I said, you, you fly charter from your local airports. So we've, we've flown from Cardiff or Bristol. Um, and you have a rep over there as well who looks after you. Uh, your transportation from the airport to your hotel, and you're based in the same hotel or villa or you know whatever you your accommodation you choose. Yeah. Pretty much, it replicated what we were doing in Spain and Greece. It was that kind of holiday, but just based in Orlando. Yeah, you do get some flexibility um, if you're doing packages. Not as much flexibility as if you're doing it yourself. Uh, really, a lot of people doing packages. You can do some research online, but we notice that the people doing packages tend to be people who still go to travel agents and go, help me, please, to book this holiday. Um, and that's what's great about our Facebook pages is that there's such a wealth of information there. For first-timers, they can reach out and ask any questions and get them answered that we couldn't do in our first time going. Yeah. Um, and that's really helpful to them. Uh, and what Facebook group would that be? It's Orlando Time and Orlando Info Zone. All right, of which everybody on the show tonight is an admin on one or the other or both. Nope. So, Ooh. yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're an unrecorded admin, Bob. <laughs> right, time is getting on, so I'm going to be bringing this to a conclusion very soon. But I'm going to go around every person on the panel tonight and I'm going to ask them for two things that you must remember when planning an Orlando holiday. Just two things each. And I'm going to start with Ian. Um, well, thanks for starting with me, Peter, because that's <laughs> going to make everyone behind me even more hard. Uh, really, for me, it's budget. You know, how much do you want to spend? What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Sometimes you've got to pull some things back. You can't do everything if you're on a limited budget. But the main thing is to get there and enjoy your time there. The second thing would be, oh, man, just enjoy yourself when you get there, to yeah. be honest. That's the whole point of going. Um, there's, there's no point of going there and being miserable and thinking, well, I can't do this, I can't do that. Get there, do your whole holiday, enjoy your holiday, and then come back to reality after that. I've done that on more than one occasion, I'll tell you. <laughs> and, you know, enjoy your holiday, have the memories, and then think about the next one. All right, thank you. It's very true. Going on holiday and stressing is not the point. So I'm going to go straight over to Paul. <laughs> thank you. Get your esters. Oh, no. <laughs> That's Sorry, what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I knew somebody would be uh, upset at that one. Get your esters before you book. More, What's an ester? An ester is a uh, oh, team, help me out, man. On the spot, electronic. It's a visa waiver. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> to get yourself into America, uh, and they last for two years, and they valid for two years, or the however long on your passport. It is vital that you book it or you get an Esther before you even book a holiday because there has been many stories on It's Orlando Time where people have said, 
I'm getting my Esther. Uh, it's three weeks before we travel and it's been rejected. That means your whole holiday is wasted because it takes up to six months to get a visa, yeah. uh, which is a more complicated version. So getting an Esther is the or one of the most important things. Uh, I would say another important thing for me is the utilising of the groups and asking as many questions as you can. And it doesn't matter how simple those questions are and how many times those questions have been asked. It is critical that these questions are asked. Uh, and that is the admin's duty on. And we all do it. Everybody yeah. does it uh, to answer the people's questions the best way. Uh, so to make holidays easier to book and and that's the beauty of these this group uh orlando time and uh the orlando info so it is a, a fantastic tool uh to book holidays and i'd say that's the most important ask as many questions as you can but get your esters done straight away and just thanks for that paul just one point if you're booking your esters make sure you use the official esther site because if you go if you go to the wrong site you'll be charged a fortune for the same as you would have got for 14 dollars. i think it is per person it's 14 dollars 14 dollars per person on the official pounds. site yeah yeah and if you're not sure what the official site is both on it's orlando time and the orlando info zone in the files or the, i think it is you will you'll find a link to the the official Esther site. Right, I'm going to go straight over to Kath. <laughs> well, Paul pinched ours because we were going to say Esther's as well. <laughs> well. The other one to go alongside Esther's is don't forget your travel insurance. And that was, yes, that was going to be our second yeah. one because yeah. particularly if you're doing DIY, um, you, it's very difficult to claim anything back, particularly with the airlines, if you've already paid up front for your ticket. So, yes, for sure. Get your insurance sorted out. And my second one would be have a little plan. We are military mom planners. We like to know <laughs> what we're doing every day. But, but we're but, OK for the plan to change as well. It's really important that if you plan, you've got to be willing. You've got to know which of those bits of those plan really are untouchables. But also yeah. the rest of it. You've got to be willing to just chuck it out the window anytime and just go with what works that day. Yeah, because not all plans work out as you imagine. No, and it's such a busy place for the theme parks in particular. Thinking of Disney with the big rides that are out. Yeah. Utilising your fast pass to get those big ticket rides booked before you go does give you some free, you know, it might sound crazy planning for freedom, but then yeah. you're not standing for hours in a line for a very popular ride that you can go and do other things and then come back and enjoy it. It's your holiday. It's not a military operation. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people forget that. They spend so much time planning it that they forget to enjoy it. Right. Timbo. Well, I echo all the comments about it's a family holiday and that's why you're going. But if you want two things for me, I'll keep them simple. One is sun cream uh, <laughs> because uh, Orlando is brutal whatever time of year you go it is brutal so either take some with you or your first stop is walmart and buy some of yourself the second thing as uh, paul gives his nose a little scratch is a fanny pack uh, <laughs> you, you will need something to carry all those little bits and bobs you need like your sun cream like your wallet etc and you want to put it around your waist so you don't put it down and forget about it somewhere else so get yourself a fanny pack in America or a bum bag over in the UK. 
I am still using the same one that I bought in 2004. It's just the right size with the right number of pockets. And I just keep using the same one. And it's You've still got the same amount of money in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, Sue, have you got anything to add? Yeah, I, I just want to say, uh, again, echoing a lot what everybody else has said. Um, when you are packing um, to go on your holiday, don't stress too much. If you forget something, you go into a country that sells pretty much everything and a lot of other stuff that we sell here. So don't worry about it if you've forgotten it. But I would say if you do take at least, as Tim said, the sun cream, but at least a small amount just to keep you going until you can get to Walmart <laughs> to do right. it. But yeah, I would say don't worry about your packing, but you will also find packing advice on pages. Um, Very true and stuff that you might, might want to take with you and things like that but also plan for your family what what kind of um people i personally am a, a bit disabled i can't walk so we need to plan for the fact that i can't walk anywhere yeah. so we need to get the mobility scooter booked and book assistance at the airport i couldn't go to america and then somebody be like oh no i can't i can't walk what am i going to do I, I need to have everything done and planned like Kath, I'm a big planner, but very rarely stick to it. But it's good to be able to get up in the morning and know what you're doing. Yeah. Do you know oh, what I mean? Thanks for that. Right, time has caught up with us. and uh, We are going to have to finish this segment of the show. So I want to say a very big thank you to Paul Elwell. Thank you, to, Peter. To Tim Tinsley. Oh, thank you there, Peter. And Bob and Kath Watson. Thanks, Peter. And Ian and Sue Sutherland. Thank you. Thanks, Peter. Right, thank you all for taking part in our second podcast. We hope to hear from you again very, very soon. Stick around, guys. There's lots more to come in this show. So thank you. And from me, Peter Harper, I'll catch you next time. Hi, Peter. Next up in my series of clips about the history and details behind key attractions. We've got Splash Mountain. Splash Mountain is a log flume at Magic Kingdom. It's also at Disneyland in California and Tokyo's Disneyland. The attraction is based on the characters, stories and songs from the 1946 Disney film Song of the South. Although there are variations in the story and the features between the three locations, each installation begins with a peaceful outdoor float through that leads to indoor dark ride segments and then a climatic steep drop into Briar's Patch, followed by an indoor finale. The drop itself is about 50 feet, or in new money, that's 15 metres. The idea for Splash Mountain was originally conceived around the summer of 1983 by a Imagineer called Tony Baxter. He was stuck in rush hour traffic on his way back to work. It was Dick Nunes who insisted that the Imagineers created a log flume for Disneyland, but the Imagineers were initially unenthusiastic about it, insisting that log flumes were really a bit too ordinary of a theme park attraction to include in a park like Disneyland. While trying to solve the problem of including a log flume, bringing people into bear country and reusing the American Sings audio, anim I'll try again, audio animatronic characters, Baxter thought of the Song of the South. Baxter and his team developed the concept of Zippity-Doo River Rhine, which would incorporate scenes from Song of the South. 
The name was later changed to Splash Mountain after then-CEO Michael Eisner mostly ignored all of the suggestions the attraction be used to help market the film Splash. The planned grand opening on July the 17th, 1989 in Disneyland didn't quite go as hoped for. Early riders made up of company executives were getting quite soaked rather than lightly sprayed and so the ride opening date had to be delayed for months so that the boat could be redesigned to hold fewer passengers, to build them a bit lighter and to redesign the bottom and bow to make them less likely to splash so much water aboard. In 1991, construction began at the Splash Mountains in Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom and also in Tokyo's Disneyland. July 17, 1992, soft openings began at Magic Kingdom and the two Splash Mountains in Tokyo and Walt Disney World officially opened within a day of each other on October 1992. The Magic Kingdom attraction opened on October the 1st and Tokyo's Disneyland attraction opened the next day. Splash Mountain at Tokyo's Disneyland is very similar to the Florida version, with a few exceptions. The key one is that the ride layout is actually a mirror image of the Florida one, owing to the attraction's location on the opposite side of the river. January 2011, Splash Mountain at Magic Kingdom received lap bars for safety reason. Each row of two to three passengers shares one lap bar. Meanwhile, Tokyo Disneyland received individual lap bars, which makes the height restrictions five inches shorter than the other two versions. A version of the attraction was planned for Disneyland in Paris, but was scrapped due to budget reasons and apparently the cold weather in Europe. Whilst the different versions of Splash Mountains feature very similar stories, albeit with small differences, they are all based on a composition of several Uncle Remus stories. Each ride presents scenes taken from the animated segments of Song of the South, telling the story of Br'er Rabbit, a mischievous hero who leaves his home in search of adventure. Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear, the baddies of the stories, are determined to catch him, but are repeatedly tricked into letting him go free. After boarding, the logs ascend a dual-chain lift that deposits riders in a small pond and then enters the barn and climbs another lift before floating gently through scenery designed to evoke the feeling of the river in the southern United States, particularly around Georgia, where Sung of the South was based. The home to the three main characters... Age farm equipment, stagecoach wagons and ale barrels are incorporated into the landscape, along with a country instrumental version of How Do You Do, emanating from hidden speakers along the walkway, the waterway, sorry. After passing Brer's Bear Cave, the logs descend down slip, slipping falls drop and cross back under the flume. The logs then enter the show building containing the indoor portions of the attractions with various audio and animatronic animals including geese and frogs singing the attraction's first musical number, How Do You Do? Several scenes establish the story of a restless Br'er Rabbit leaving home and being pursued by Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear. The, the flume converts to a roller coaster style track in complete darkness to transition to the laughing place cabins. Bees attack Br'er Bear while Br'er Rabbit laughs with joy, unaware that Br'er Fox is behind him, preparing to drop a beehive on top of him. <coughs> Excuse me. 
The logs then go over another short drop and head further into the cavern scenes. There, geezers riding turtles and laughing, singing bullfrogs and dancing water fountains guide the log to a dark area in which Br'er Rabbit has been caught by Br'er Fox in a cave of stalactites and stalagmites. After Br'er Rabbit is captured, the logs ascend up the attraction's predominant hill into Tar Baby segment. Br'er Rabbit, now captured by Br'er Fox, tricks the vi villains into throwing him into the Br'er Patch. The drop itself mimics Br'er Rabbit's fall. The logs descend a 50-foot drop at a 45-degree angle, reaching a maximum speed of 40 miles an hour into Br'er Patch, before continuing back into the mountain, where numerous audio-animatronic animals sing a rousing chorus of zippity doo -dah. Br'er Rabbit escapes uninjured, remarking, I was born and raised in the Br'er Patch. The other animals rejoice to leave to have Br'er Rabbit back home while Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear are last seen narrowly escaping the jaws of Br'er Gator. At the end, Br'er Rabbit sings with Mr. Bluebird, telling him that he learnt his lesson. The Magic Kingdom version of the ride features the same songs heard at the Disneyland attractions, with, uh, which are the variations of the three songs found in the animated seg segments from the Song of the South though the attraction does not present these songs in the same order as the film. Because of the rise location in Frontierland, the soundtrack features a country feel with banjos and harmonicas as the primary instruments, and also because Florida's close proximity to Georgia, where Song of the South is set. Splash Mountain at Disneyland features music in a more jazzy big band feel meets orchestra, orchestra style. After exiting the logs, riders can tap their cards or magic bands to save their ride photos. Despite Disney's great attention to detail and with audio audience management, the monitoring represented by both security cameras and the strobe cameras have not proved wholly successful at eliminating one of the most, shall we say, salacious phenomena of the Splash Mountain experience, where some riders briefly expose themselves. In an episode of The Simpsons featuring a parody of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer, played by Bart, and Huckery Finn, played by Nelson, go down a waterfall in their raft, after which their photo is taken to be sold as a souvenir. In a reference to Flash Mountain Phenomenal, the manager spots a photo of a woman flashing her ankle and tells the photographer to get rid of it, which he does by slipping it into his shirt for keeping for himself. Nowadays, guests tend to try and do silly pictures rather than anything particularly rude. Tim out. Grumpy middle-aged dad and Lottie. More adventures in Orlando. Day seven. Fun at the Magic Kingdom. Today's look. Disney go-getter. Cap, free gift with a glue gun from Wix. Vest, bright pink from George at Asda. Shorts, pastel blue from Primark, Briley Hill. I awoke with a thicker than usual head this morning as a result of the previous night's Facebook meetup in Disney Springs. So today's chapter is brought to you courtesy of the American Paracetamol purchased from this morning's trip to the convenient 
but terribly expensive marketplace shop downstairs in the Hard Rock Hotel. Braving the freezing blast of the aircon in just my Primark shorts and Asda vest top, I grab some coffee and donuts and approach the counter to try to get something to stop the clanging in me head. The girl behind till number one, J. Lee, Jolie, Tiffany LeBronx, had recommended a brand called Throbgo, and like all US drugs, it came with its own Bible lung disclaimer. May cause heartburn, flatulence, excessive snot, anxiety issues, paranoia, earwax, a midlife crisis, piles, who said paranoia, warts, eczema, ulcers, and tell me what they were saying. I noticed that the girl behind till number two, Grace Granola Madison, was selling a similar product called Throb Stay, a product obviously aimed at men of my um, <clears throat> age. I've no problem with men using erectile dysfunction pills. Whatever keeps your pecker up. I used them once, not for my sex life, but to stop me rolling out of bed. I declined Grace Granola's offer of a free sample as I had to go upstairs and get my chubby bum into gear. Me and Lottie had an appointment with a big M himself today at the Magic Kingdom. Apologies in advance here for a tiny bit of self-indulgence, but I know that today is going to be an emotional day and not just because I'm here with Lottie. Today's visit to the Magic Kingdom comes almost exactly 12 months to the day that I posted my first daft blog on It's Orlando Time. That one blog changed my life. I'd never blogged before and it's fair to say that I never ever expected what would happen as a result of it. The book that came from the blogs, the money raised for charity, the friends I've made, the opportunities I've been given and the life-changing events that have unfolded ever since are all because of the fam's visit to Orlando and in particular this place, the Magic Kingdom. For those of you who have liked and followed my stuff or bought a book, from the bottom of my heart I cannot thank you enough and a special thanks to Peter Harper who's a top bloke. Anyway, Enough of that sentimental nonsense, I've got a story to tell. Throbgo did the trick, and with a clear head and perfectly coiffured hair, off we popped to Mr Disney's secret lair. Now Lottie's dead good at planning. She's got the folders and different coloured pens and everything. She had strategically planned all three of the Disney smug passes at convenient intervals through the day, so as soon as we got there, we hit the ground running with Thunder Mountain. After being chucked about on a good old rickety train, we had a nice stroll across the park in the 100 degree heat to Tomorrowland, just in time for a drink in the shade as my skin was beginning to peel off. We had a poke around and watched loads of character meet and greets, then sat on a wall for a while and talked about how Lottie used to love meeting the characters and getting their autographs. That made me sad like Eeyore for a few minutes, but I quickly had to shake it off as we had an appointment with Zerg and some aliens that needed zapping. Once we'd finished the Buzz Lightyear ride, I beat Lottie by the way, much to her disgust. We headed back to Frontierland and one of my all-time favourite rides, Splash Mountain. I've no idea why this is the case. It's definitely not the best ride and it's really dated. But for some reason I just love going on it. It could be because it lasts for ages, so it feels like I'm getting my money's worth. 
We dried off over lunch, and as we had used up all of our smug passes, we were able to grab some more for the afternoon. We disagreed on the next ride. Lottie fancied doing Space Mountain, and for some reason, I really didn't. I'm usually okay on roller coasters, but there's just something about those in the dark that I just don't like or trust. I always think there's going to be a loose girder or something that's hanging off a beam that's going to whack me on the head in the pitch black. Or decapitate the person next to me. So when we arrive back at the unloading bay, I'm going to be sat next to an headless holiday maker. I suppose it would make the ride, the ride photos more interesting though. Lottie managed to smug past it anyway, so while she zoomed off round Space Mountain, I stayed put in Frontierland. I didn't feel great, and as a result of the refried beans and corn on the cob I'd scoffed in Pico Bill's Rootin' Tootin' Smokehouse Saloon, I had to go off to the little cowboy's room, where I made a little splash mountain all of my own. As I waited for Lottie's return, I sat alone for a while and watched the par pass me by. I like doing this. It slows you down a bit in the middle of the chaos and makes you appreciate your surroundings instead of rushing around from one ride or show to the next. And because it provides lots of material to moan about. Like this next bit. My God, aren't the kids at Disney really, really noisy? It's only been a year since our last visit, but Mr Disney has evidently added a new show somewhere that teaches kids to scream at previously unrecorded decibel levels. They must hand out free smug passes to any kid that managed to shriek louder than a 747, and free entry all year to any brat that can scream loud enough to make big ears, ears bleed. Yeah, I know, it's the wrong character and the wrong part, but you get me drift. By the time Lottie returned, I felt refreshed and ready to move on, determined to eke out as much of the day as possible. We went on Pirates of the Caribbean and watched a devilishly handsome man tell awful jokes and make kids laugh while he pretended to be Captain Jack Sparrow. We giggled at the Monsters Inc. comedy floor and I successfully tortured Lottie with It's a Small World. I absolutely love it's a small world. There's your earworm, listeners. I mentioned it in the last book how Mr Disney had kept up with a change in economic and political times by splitting the UK away from Europe and putting a wall up around Mexico. I was happy to see he'd carried on with his work and introduced new migrant boats. Every other boat on the ride is made up of North African refugees and at some point on the ride around the world they jump off and seek asylum. Germany was swamped with them. It's good to see North Korea back too with a life-size and spookily accurate doll of Kim Jong-un looking across a huge arsenal of weapons. Funnily enough, all pointed at the US. And of course, not forgetting the good old US of A. Mr. Disney has made some changes here too. It's lost its place as the centrepiece of the ride and instead has drifted off alone, isolated from all the other previously friendly countries and heading for the dark ages. All the little male dolls have been replaced by Donald Trump lookalikes and all the female ones look weirdly like Ivanka. That's weird. And that's where we'll leave it for now, dear listeners. Join me again for part two, where we conclude with the rest of our day at Walt Disney's secret lair.
otherwise known as the Magic Kingdom. I'll leave you with It's a Small World. Grumpy out. Ta-da, I'm Sue Sutherland, one of the admin for the Orlando InfoZone network, and I'm going to bring you the weather for two weeks starting on Saturday the 27th of April 2019. We're going to start off today at 31 degrees with a real feel of 33 degrees. There are going to be more clouds than sun today. But not a lot of rain by the looks of it, so zero millimetres of rainfall and 70% uh, cloud cover. So yeah, definitely more clouds. At night, we've got 17 degrees with a real feel of 16 degrees. It's going to be mainly clear, zero millimetres of rainfall and 19% cloud cover. On Sunday the 28th of April, we've got 33 degrees with a real feel of 35 degrees, sun and some clouds zero millimetres of rainfall and 38% cloud cover. At night, 18 degrees, going to feel like 18 degrees, it's going to be clear. We've got zero millimetres of rainfall and 9% cloud cover. Oh, I might see some stars. Those of you that know me, you know I like some stars. On Monday the 29th of April, we've got 33 degrees with a real feel of 35 degrees. Sunshine and patchy clouds, and it's going to be warm. At 33 degrees, I'm going to say, yes, I agree, it will be warm. <laughs> um, zero millimetres of rainfall and 25% cloud cover. At night, oh, it's going to be warmer at night. It's 20 degrees with a real feel of 19. It's going to be clear with only 3% cloud cover. So guess what you're going to see if you look up when you're outside? Yep, you're going to see some lovely stars. Wish I was there. On Tuesday the 30th of April, we've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 34 degrees. Mostly sunny and warm. Zero millimetres of rainfall, 19% cloud cover. At night, we've got 20 degrees with a real feel of 19. It's going to be clear. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 5% cloud cover. Again with the stars. Oh, wish I was there this week. On Wednesday, the 1st of May. Wow, the 1st of May. Who would believe it? We've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 35 degrees. It's going to be mostly sunny and warm. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 14% cloud cover. At night, 20 degrees with a real feel of 19 degrees. It's going to be clear. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 8% cloud cover. Wow, I don't know about anyone else, but... I'm noticing a trend of some lovely weather here. On Thursday the 2nd of May, we've got 33 degrees, a real feel of 36 degrees, mostly sunny and remaining warm. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 21% cloud cover. At night, we've got 18 degrees with a real feel of 19 degrees. Partly cloudy, uh-oh, 
that doesn't sound good. I don't like clouds. Um, zero millimetres of rainfall and 57% cloud cover. Yeah, that's apparently cloudy right enough. On Friday the 3rd of May, we've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 32 degrees. It's going to be clouds and some sunshine. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 61% cloud cover. At night, we've got 19 degrees. It's going to feel like 20 degrees. It's going to be partly cloudy. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 90% cloud cover. Well, that's not good, is it? I hope you were looking at the stars the last few days because you're not going to see them that night. Anyway, Saturday the 4th of April, we've got 32 degrees with a real feel of 34 degrees, mostly cloudy, and the rain is zero millimetres. Cloud covers at 93%. At night, we've got 20 degrees, feels like 22 degrees, a thunderstorm, in spots in the evening, otherwise it's going to be partly cloudy. Oh no, this is ruining our lovely rain-free weather forecast. We've got one millimetre of rainfall. Oh dear. 34% cloud cover. Anyway, we'll carry on. Hopefully it'll improve. On Sunday the 5th of April, no, Sunday the 5th of May, my apologies, we have 29 degrees with a real feel of 33 degrees. A blend of sun and clouds. Zero millimetres of rainfall, yay. And the cloud cover is at 57%. At night, we've got 20 degrees, with a real feel of 21 degrees. It's going to be mainly clear. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 16% cloud cover. That's, be that's better. That's better. We like it like that, don't we? Anyway, Monday the 6th of May, 31 degrees, with a real feel of 33 degrees. Partly sunshine and less humid. Also good. The rain is at zero millimetres and the cloud cover is at 73%. At night, 18 degrees, the real feel of 19 degrees, it's going to be mainly clear. 0.9 millimetres of rainfall, oh dear, and 99% cloud cover. Oh, me, that's not good, but at least it's at night and hopefully while you're all in bed. Anyway, Tuesday the 7th. We've got 28 degrees, with a real feel of 30 degrees, intervals of clouds and sunshine. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 98% cloud cover. Now you remember guys, that even though it's 98% cloud cover, that still, sun can still burn through the clouds, so wear your sun cream. At night, 18 degrees, with a real feel of 18 degrees, wildly separated thunderstorms, wildly, I can't say it, can I? Widely <laughs> separated thunderstorms in the evening, otherwise partly cloudy. One millimetre of rainfall and 58% cloud cover. I'm starting to lose it, guys. Nearly at the end of the week. Hold on, Sue, you can get there. Wednesday the 8th, we've got 32 degrees, with a real feel of 35 degrees. Sun and some clouds, a chance of a couple of thunderstorms. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 31% cloud cover. Not too bad. 20 degrees at night with a real feel of 20 degrees. Widely separated thunderstorms in the evening, otherwise patchy clouds. Ah, I did it. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 6% cloud cover. Yay, we can see the stars again. Thursday the 9th, we've got 31 degrees with a real feel of 35 degrees. Mostly sunny, a shower or thunderstorm possible. Zero millimetres of rainfall 
and the cloud cover is at 29%. At night, we've got 19 degrees. With a real feel of 19 degrees, it's going to be partly cloudy. Zero millimetres of rainfall and 59% cloud cover. And the last day for this week, or this fortnight even, is Friday the 10th of May. We've got 30 degrees with a real feel of 32 degrees, a couple of morning showers, otherwise times of clouds and sun. Oh no, 3.9 millimetres of rainfall. Oh, that doesn't look good, does it? 60% cloud cover. This is not a good day to end on. All right, let's try the night one then. 18 degrees with a real feel of 19 degrees, partly cloudy, zero millimetres of rainfall and 38% cloud cover. Well, that guys, that's it. That concludes the weather forecast for you. And I'll say goodbye and hand you back to Peter. I'm Sue and I love Mickey Mouse. Grumpy middle-aged dad and Lottie. More adventures in Orlando. Day seven. Fun at the Magic Kingdom. Continued. You join me again at the halfway point of our day. Me and my little Nemo Lottie are stomping around Mr Disney's secret lair on a hot, sunny August afternoon. We've just left my favourite ride, It's a Small World, and we're ready for the rest of the day's shenanigans. Ready? Let's go. So, we're back in the park, and my God, it was hot and busy. Otter than Satan's crotch and busier than the West Bromwich Betfred on Gyro Day. You couldn't possibly walk in a straight line without bumping into someone, especially one of them big American families with colour-coded T-shirts. And that segues nicely into a new subject that I've got to moan about. Directionally challenged people. As you may have previously heard in my Hollywood Studios chapter, it seems there's a growing phenomenon here where stupid people just have no clue where they're going and are oblivious to the world around them. I've researched this for your benefit, dear listener. I haven't really. And so I present to you Grumpy's Guide to the Directionally Challenge. Let's start off with The Stopper. Identified by a sudden and dramatic stop directly in front of you as though they've just realised they've left the cooker on back home. Never an explanation and starts back off again as though nothing has happened. Potential damage from the stopper includes spilt drinks, splattered food and chipped teeth. Next, it's on to the Wanderer. Possessing non-directional legs that have no obvious connection to their brain, the wanderer drifts effortlessly and aimlessly across the flow of the crowd, causing multiple casualties. Often distracted by a map, or a pretty bird, or just simply the desire to walk on another piece of pavement for no apparent reason, the wanderer causes more frustration than actual physical damage. Oh, this one's a good one. Next up, it's the Candy Crusher. Usually, this is bored mums who have been granted a bit of me time as Dad pushes the monster truck stroller. 
the candy crusher gorms out in the crowd and goes at her own dreamy pace, transfixed by a brain-rotting game where you splat fruit and continually aspire to be at a higher level than your imaginary friends. Usually shouted back into theme park reality by her grumpy husband for becoming the wanderer and quickly shoves the phone back into her sweaty bra. When did that become a thing? I don't get that at all. Next, we have the angry map reader. Categorised by yells of, I'm looking! Or, where's the god castle? Or, better still, it doesn't say on here what time the three o'clock parade is, Kev. The angry map reader combines frustration, stupidity and ignorance by trying to read, think, walk and talk all at the same time, all whilst holding a map in front of their face in the middle of a busy crowd, most of whom already know where they're going. Can cause multiple damage, mainly to themselves, by walking into a Disney lamppost or tripping up a gutter. Good. Next, we've got the crisscrosser. This is a combination discipline. Part wanderer, part stopper. The crisscrosser decides to walk diagonally across the flow of people, only to suddenly realise that they really wanted to be back where they started and make a swift about turn and head back across the flow. The crisscrosser is a total and utter idiot and is to be avoided at all costs. Next, this is a new one on me, the big family. Characterised by block colour t-shirts with their name on the back and the family name on the front, like the Schumers do Disney 2018 or the Jacksons on vacation. This is where an entire family decide to go on holiday en masse, all walking together and all being simultaneously annoying, especially on rides where they insist on blocking the entire thing by all trying to sit together. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Next, the penultimate one, and everyone's favourite, the ankle nipper. This category includes folks with scooters, Caravan-sized strollers and those mini-trailers that look like a kiddie's wooden truck on wheels, packed with food and cooking utensils. Very popular with South American families. Invisible in the crowd, the ankle nipper is the cause of many rows and damage to lower limbs, and he's right up there at the top of the list of the most annoying things in the park. But, in at number one, and finally, the best one, the military mom. Complete with a laminated, colour-coded daily planner and a detailed spreadsheet on her tablet as backup, the military mom marches purposely from one pre-arranged, forcefully enjoyed experience to another. Don't mess with this one. Reservations were made for be our guest, meet and greets arranged and smug passes booked to a NASA degree of chronological precision months ago. Usually sporting full hiking gear, the military mom takes no prisoners in her quest to make sure that everyone has a good time and woe betide any living thing that gets in her way. She gains extra strength and power from silently seething about her next to useless grumpy husband who's done naff all, as usual. So, <laughs> there you have it. I hope my pretend research has helped you out. Despite the crowds, the noise, the kids, the temperature, the queues, the cost, 
the blistered feet, the traffic jams, feeling sick after eating too much, and the fact that I'll never be as good looking as Captain Jack Sparrow. We had a fabulous time. We hit the wall before the fireworks, so decided to beat the rush and decided to head home just as the sun was going down. Realising that this would be our last time here for a while, perhaps ever, I did get quite emotional. And for once, so did Lottie. We went upstairs to the large veranda that's part of the fabulous railway station, a secret hideaway that affords amazing views directly down Main Street and out towards Mr Disney's big magic castle. We took some photos and had a longer than usual cuddle before packing our gear up and heading out towards the Disney buses, desperately trying to avoid the ankle nippers, the crisscrosses and definitely, definitely the military moms on the way out. Which we did and in no time at all we were back at the Hard Rock Hotel and ready for some well-earned sleep. See you next time for some more madness in the Orlando sunshine. Grumpy, out. ta Thank you for listening to episode two of the Orlando InfoPod. We do hope you've enjoyed the show and you will tell your friends all about us, and encourage them to listen to. The more listeners we get, the better the shows will get. So, thank you for listening. Take care. God bless from me, Peter Harper, and the rest of the team. Goodbye for now. <laughs> <laughs>